Tom Copeland is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been called to teach God's Word on finances since 1982. Tom is a chartered professional accountant who has advised thousands of people, including individuals, couples, and business owners, in making wise biblical financial decisions. Tom's financial moments are aired on numerous radio and TV stations across Canada. Tom is the president and founder of Copeland Financial Ministries, who teach what the Bible says on finances. For more info, check out copelandfinancialministries.org. Again, that's copelandfinancialministries.org. Now, here is Tom teaching on the topic, Secular Perspective versus a Biblical Perspective on Money. I'd like to welcome you to session two of a three-session series on the topic, Secular Perspective versus a Biblical Perspective on Money and Material Things. In this series, I'm going to be describing to you... Uh, the difference between a secular perspective and a person with a secular perspective in managing money the world's way. I'm going to refer to them as a secular person. And uh, the other uh, comparison is going to be uh, someone with a biblical perspective in terms of managing money. And I'm going to refer to them as a biblical steward. Now, one of the first questions I have, do you think there's a difference uh, between a secular perspective and a biblical steward? I think there's a, there's a big difference. And um, the, the unfortunate part is that even Christians can fall into a secular, they can have a secular perspective on money and material things. They can fall into a secular mindset and uh, manage money uh, from a secular perspective as opposed to a biblical perspective. I find often unknowingly. And uh, just to let you know in this session, I'm going to give a brief overview of the 12 comparisons. In the first session, I gave a more detailed overview, a more detailed uh, uh, outline of the, the 12 comparisons of a secular person to a biblical story. This one's going to be much briefer and we're going to get into a, a case study that helps you understand the practical application of the biblical financial principles. As we go through this, I would certainly encourage you to um, pray what David prayed in, in Psalms 139 where he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, ask God to speak to you through His Word, through His Spirit, as to what areas that you may be struggling with in terms of having a secular perspective or secular thinking or mindset on, and help God to deal with you, deal, deal with that, to help, help God to help you deal with that. I would say this in terms of dealing with it. Probably the best thing is to um, determine those areas where you're struggling, and go to the scriptures that I give and meditate on those scriptures. In Romans 12, 2, Paul said, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And uh, how do you renew your mind? In Joshua 1, 8, it gives the answer. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. The idea is get into God's word, pray over it, read it, meditate on it. Allow God through his word and his spirit to change the way you think about money and material things, and that in turn will result in, in, um, in long-term change as to how you manage money. And it'll also help you deal with any uh, say secular thinking or secular perspective that you may have on money and material things. And we all struggle with it. Let's face it, who doesn't struggle with selfishness, for example? Yet in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, Paul said, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Each of you should look not only at your own interests, but also in the interests of others. And of course, the golden rule that, that Jesus gave us, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So we probably all, actually, we probably all need to struggle with, um, with we, we all have to deal with selfishness. We probably all struggle with it in one way or another. And of course, selfishness is a, is a secular uh, perspective on money and material things. So in order to, um, to do this uh, comparison, I'm going to give a brief overview this time. Uh, 
I'm, I'm comparing the, the person with a secular perspective, which by the way may be a Christian. I'm calling them the secular person and the person who has a biblical perspective and who manages money God's way, I'm referring to them as a biblical steward. So here's the first one. The secular person believes that we own our own material resources. The biblical steward acknowledges that God owns everything and that we are managers of the money and material things that God has entrusted to us. In Psalms chapter 24, it says that God owns everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. And if you look at Haggai 2.8, it says the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The second point is the secular person looks to self and the wisdom of this world for direction, while the biblical steward looks to God and his word for direction in using financial resources. In other words, they study God's word, they know God's word on finances, and they follow those financial principles, and they pray and ask God for his wisdom, James 1.5, and his specific direction, Psalms 32.8. In Psalms 32.8, God said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. The third point I'd like to make, the secular person gives God and his work the leftovers, which are usually small. The biblical steward gives God the first fruits. Um, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. In other words, God's saying make giving to his work a priority. In other words, I'd put in another practical way. Learn to live on, let's say, 90% of your income, and set aside the 10%, the tithes, the guideline. It's not legalism. Set that aside for God's work. What happens today, uh, most people, uh, even many Christians, have a secular perspective on money and material things. They buy they, what they want. Uh, it's sort of like my wants and desires first. They buy what they want first, and often they're using credit cards, lines of credit, or different types of loans. And I can tell you this, as the debt goes up, as they in, un, inadvertently accumulate debt, the giving goes down because when they come to the end of the month, they have limited income left limited funds in the bank and they have a big mortgage payment coming, maybe greater than what it should be and maybe a car loan payment that they shouldn't have and credit card debt, uh, what are they going to do? They're going to pay their debts first and God gets the leftovers. So it's uh, The bottom line is a biblical steward. We, mean to, we need to make giving to God's work a priority. Number four, the secular person is generally discontent with their present level of income. That is, they want more. The biblical steward is content with God's provision. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul said, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we would be content with that. That's something you don't see on the media very often, or almost never, um, teaching about contentment. Yet contentment is a biblical perspective on money and material things. As a matter of fact, I'd say contentment is a godly attitude that's the antidote to many worldly attitudes or worldly perspectives such as covetousness, selfishness, greed, pride, envy. Contentment uh, you, is, is just, uh, it, it's such an important biblical mindset. There's a lot of scriptures on contentment. Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your lives free with, from the love of money and be content with what you have. In Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist said, be content with your pay. We need to learn to be content with what God has provided to us. The fifth point I'd like to make is the secular person struggles with fear of the future or fear of losing assets. Well, the biblical steward puts God first and trusts God to meet their needs. I, I love Matthew chapter 6. I, I quote it so many times and think about it, where Jesus said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or when shall we drink, or what shall we wear? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, Christ is saying, Put me first, I will meet your needs. But notice, Christ didn't say he's going to meet our wants and desires. Sometimes he will, but he didn't promise that. He promised to meet our needs. And so we need to um, put God first and trust God to meet our needs rather than struggling with uh, fear of the future or 
and uh, fear of losing assets. The sixth point I'd like to make is that uh, the secular person believes that we are accountable to no one. We can do with our money as we wish, while the biblical steward believes that we're accountable to God as to how we use the money that God has entrusted to us. Romans 14:12 is clear. So then each of us will give account of himself to God. And if we even look at uh, chapter 2 uh, of uh, the book of Corinthians, I think it's around verse 10, it talks about the bema. Even Christians are going to stand before the Lord and uh, we're going to be given rewards or lack of rewards based upon what we did with um, the money and material things and the talents and abilities and the time that God gave us here on earth. And of course you want to hear those words that, that, um, that, uh, that it talks about in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. You want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And one way of, of uh, being in that position to receive rewards in heaven is to manage money according to God's principles and God's specific will. The seventh point I'd like to make is a secular person uses money to buy things that are temporary. He is short-sighted as his investments are treasures on earth. And um, while the biblical steward uses money and material things that God has given him for eternal purposes. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was clear, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. In other words, focus on doing things that have eternal value, eternal consequences to them. That may mean from time to time. God um, could very well direct you to forgive, you know, forgo having some material thing or some want or desire that you really don't need. Take that money, invest it in God's Word. And I've said many times, if even one person comes to know Christ a thousand years from now, a million years from now, that person's salvation will mean something. The money and material things that you buy, within five or ten years, they'll be worn out. And a split second after you die, they'll be of no use to you whatsoever. Number eight, the secular person believes that financial success arises as a result of his hard work. In other words, he made it happen. And if you're successful in business or successful in your career, I commend you on it. I'm not saying you didn't work hard, but let's uh, see what the Bible says. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God gives us all of our abilities, and so we shouldn't uh, think that we did it on our own. Rather, the, the, the fact of the matter is, God, uh, God blessed us with those abilities, and if God's given you an ability to earn an above-average above income, then go for it. And if that's your calling, from the Lord, then go for it. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but, um, but don't think of it, hey, I did it all, therefore I get to do with the money and material things what I want to. The biblical steward, on the other hand, thanks God for the talents and abilities that God has given to them. And, uh, and it may be include the ability to earn an above average income. So thankfulness to God is the key. Number nine, the secular person looks for opportunities to make a lot of money quickly, wants to get rich quickly. While the biblical steward does not try to get rich quickly, but faithfully uh, works wherever God has directed him. Proverbs 28, 19, and 20 says, He who works his land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. At that time, most people were farmers, so he who works his land means that's the person who focuses on working in the area of, uh, of their employment or business, whatever that God has called them to, that they have knowledge and talent. Uh, that's what God wants you to focus on. Don't get often to other things that you don't understand, especially certain types of investments that you don't understand. That can often uh, lead to a lot of problems and, and a lot of losses as well. Number 10, the secular person wants to keep up with the Joneses. 
In Exodus chapter 20, one of the commandments, it says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, or his manservant, or his maidservant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So coveting is, is something God doesn't want us to do. The biblical steward, on the other hand, rather than coveting or envying what other people have, the biblical steward is content with God's provision. Let's see what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and in every situation. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. What was Paul's secret to learning contentment? Was focusing on his relationship with Christ, depending on the Lord Jesus Christ, and having a, a perspective, an eternal perspective, as opposed to a temporal perspective. When you have an eternal perspective, when you think in terms of what can I do with the money and material things that God's entrusted to me that will have an eternal impact? Really, the desire for temporal things, money and material things, can, can dissipate significantly. It doesn't mean God isn't going to give you those things. It doesn't mean, and of course, you need certain things. I'm talking about wants and desires as opposed to needs. God wants us to, to, to meet our needs, and He will meet our needs as we put Him first. But it's often people are getting into debt and financial difficulty because they're buying a lot of stuff that they really don't need. Or they're getting, if, even if they get a surplus of income, they often buy stuff they really don't need rather than looking up and saying, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do with this surplus? Number 11, the secular person generally either spoils, that is, provides unnecessary wants or desires for their, their family, while the biblical steward provides for the needs of the family. 1 Timothy chapter 5 says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially those of his immediate family, he has denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. And the 12th one, the secular person has character traits such as pride, greed, Fearful, dishonest, selfishness, covetousness, they trust in their self, they love money, unrighteous and frustrated. The biblical steward, typical character traits are they're humble, they're generous, faithful, honest, content, love the Lord, righteous, peaceful, and they trust God. So I like to do this uh, case study here. It's, um, it's about investing. Now, if you want to learn more about the, what the Bible says on investing, I have a whole chapter in my book, and there's a number of financial moments on our website, coltonfinancialministries.org. But this is just an example showing a biblical perspective versus a secular perspective. And this example, this case study, happens to apply to investing. In session three, I'm going to give three other case studies that don't apply to investing that apply to other areas. But here's the first case study and the case study for this session. Christian uh, friends Bill and Steve are interested in investing. It is not a full-time occupation for either of them, but it has become somewhat of a hobby for both. Bill spends a lot of his time studying God's Word on investing and finances in general. He prays and asks God to provide his wisdom, direction, to manage and invest the money that God has entrusted to him. Steve, on the other hand, relies upon the comments and advice of the well-known investment and financial experts who appear in the media. Steve thinks the Bible is academic and has little to do with investing in finances and that God is not really interested in this area. Both Bill and Steve deal through brokers but handle the downturns in the markets very differently. Bill meditates on scriptures such as Matthew chapter 6, 31 to 33 and Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, which reassure him that God will provide for his needs notwithstanding the market conditions. Steve, however, gets upset and has many sleepless nights and frequently gets angry with his broker when he sees the value of his portfolio decrease significantly. Bill's investment strategy is to apply God's investment principles and trust God. Over the long run, he realizes a 5 to 7% annual return. Steve, on the other hand, spends a lot more personal time and energy than Bill because Steve wants to be part of the smart money, which earns exceptionally high rates of return each year and over the long run. When Bill's portfolio does exceptionally well, he says very little to his colleagues and friends, but thanks God for the blessings. 
Steve says it's appropriate to tell his colleagues and friends about his successes so they too can make a lot of money just as he plans to. It makes Steve feel good when he tells others about his winners. However, he becomes very uncomfortable when, he, when anyone asks about his bad investments. So here's the first question. In what ways has Bill acted like a biblical steward? Think about that. Provide a reference to scripture if you can, but think about that. In what ways has Bill acted like a biblical steward? How has he managed money in a fashion that's uh, consistent with God's financial principles? And, uh, and from a biblical perspective as opposed to a secular perspective. Here's my suggested solutions. And these don't, I don't profess that these are all inclusive, but here's some key points. Number one, Bill acknowledged God's ownership of his investments. He acknowledges that it's God's money he's managing. Secondly, Bill has learned and implemented God's investment principles. He's taken that time to study what the Bible says on investing. I won't go into details. It's dealt with in um, uh, one of the chapters in my book and also on our website. But the Bible has a lot to say about investing. Most Christians are unaware, I find. Bill applies God's principles and trusts God for the results. He, he basically trusts the Lord for the results and he applies God's financial principles. And here's a key. Bill is content with a reasonable return on his investment. First Timothy 6 said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Bill is content. There's a lot of scriptures on contentment and Bill is content with a reasonable return over the long run. Bill is also humble. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Bill is humble as he does not boast about his winners, but simply thanks the Lord when his investments did well. I think of Psalms 118.1 where it says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. Bill also enjoys peace during the downturns. In John 14.27, Jesus said, Peace I lay with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Bill enjoys God's peace, and as you can probably see, the other guy, Steve, that has a secular perspective, doesn't enjoy God's peace at all. Bill seeks counsel from God and not from the worldly experts. So the next question is this. In what ways has Steve acted like a secular person? In other words, which, in which ways does he have a secular perspective on money and material things? And, and provide a reference to scripture for each point. So think about that. Here's my suggested solution. Steve acts like an owner, not a steward of God's money. He's not acknowledging that, uh, that the, the money and material things he has comes, comes from the Lord. Steve relies upon the worldly financial experts for counsel. He goes to them and not to God and his word. Steve has a great fear of losing money during the downturns and does not trust God to provide. And we know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart. And He's going to look after us as we put Him first. That's also including Matthew chapter 6, 31. Steve boasts about his successful investments. Uh, again, um, he's got an issue there with pride. And Steve believes he can figure out how to invest successfully on his own without God's help. And that's, uh, that's unfortunate. He's not going to the greatest source of wisdom on finances, which is God's word, the Bible. He's not going to that and asking God for his wisdom and his direction. So here's the uh, third question. Provide several recommendations as to what you think Steve should do in order to deal with his secular attitude on investing. What do you think he should do to deal with that secular attitude? I think of one thing off the top of my head. He should probably go to his friend Bill and ask Bill what he's doing and get some advice from Bill. That's probably the first thing he should do. But here's some other things that I think Steve should do. Confess his sin of pride to God. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Next, he should learn and apply God's investment principles. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. He needs to learn the principles and ask God to direct him through his word. The third point he should do is renew his mind in God's word by meditating on God's word. And again, Joshua 1, 
H says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night and be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosper and successful. That doesn't mean God's going to necessarily make you a multimillionaire, but you're going to be, generally speaking, successful in managing money if you do it God's way. And, uh, and this guy, Steve, is trying to do it, uh, he's trying to do it the world's way. He should participate in a small group biblical financial study. That would be good for Steve. And he's to, he needs to uh, seek and apply godly investment counsel. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, probably from his friend Bill, because Bill is doing it um, God's way. The next thing uh, Steve should do is pray for God's wisdom, James 1.5, and God's specific direction. Uh, God has promised to give that, that to us in Psalms 32.8, where he said that he will instruct us and teach us in the way we should go. He'll counsel us and watch over us. Steve also needs to learn to be content with a reasonable uh, rate of return. He's trying to um, hit the financial home run, the grand slam. And often when people do that, they take on more risk. And uh, usually when you take on more risk during the downturns, you can really get stung uh, during the bear markets. So you, he needs to uh, learn to be content with a more reasonable return. And the last point is Steve needs to do God's will and trust God for the results. And uh, he needs to really put the Lord first in, in the way he invests money. Here's a practical question. Do you think Steve, who's trying to hit the financial home run, do you think he'll likely be more successful than Bill on the investments over the long run? What do you think? What do you think? And I'm just going to share with you, uh, uh, I mean, if you look at the scripture, Proverbs 28, 19, and 20 that I quoted earlier, it says, uh, he who works his land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to ri get rich will not go unpunished. The odds are, and I can say from experience, I've been in public accounting since 1977. I I don't give specific investment advice, but I've seen a lot of clients invest a lot of money. I've certainly listened to a lot of investment advisors over the last four plus decades. Generally speaking, when one follows biblical financial principles, they'll do fine over the long run. Uh, the one that's trying to hit the financial home run and make exceptionally high rates of return, they generally take on a lot of risk. And more often than not, they get stung eventually. And so generally speaking, in my experience, they, they don't make more money. They actually generally make less money in the long run. So here's some key scriptures I'd like to look at. Um, so think about uh, what's the uh, relevance and application of the following verse with respect to Bill's situation. Bill's the one with the biblical perspective on investing. And uh, it's, I think of Psalms uh, 111.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. That describes Bill. He fears God and he's going to God in his word for wisdom and direction. And um, the next one, and this, now I'm asking, how does this apply to Steve? And Steve's situation, in Matthew 25, it says, Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents, for everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance, for whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. I want to explain to you this parable. The parable of Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, that's where the master who is God entrusted five talents to one servant, two to another servant, and one to a third servant. The Bible says that after a long time, perhaps a lifetime, we don't know, but after a long time, the servant, sorry, the master who is God, returned and he made the servants accountable. And the two servants that were faithful, he entrusted them with even more. But the one servant who was unfaithful, God said this, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. Now I'm, for everyone who has, now what scripture is talking about is not everyone who has a lot of money, God's gonna give more. But what he's saying about it, everyone who's been a good biblical steward of what I've entrusted to them, I'm gonna entrust them with even more. But the one, who, um, who does not have, who hasn't been a good steward of what I've entrusted to them. In other words, they've acted like a secular person with a secular perspective on money and material things. I may very well take it away from them. And that's one of the things 
that Steve has to be careful of is that if he doesn't manage money God's way, God may very well allow him to lose a lot of money in a bear market or whatever, and indirectly God may allow him, may take it away from him. We know that God's in control, Psalms 103.19 says the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, his sovereignty rules over all, God's in absolute control, and God may allow that to happen. So um, this is a very important uh, point that I'm making here, that uh, you need to learn to manage money God's way. And if you do that, God's going to bless you, probably with more in terms of finances, but there's no guarantees. God could bless you with good health. He could bless you with a good marriage. He could bless you with a great relationship with your kids. He could bless you in terms of leading others to Christ. He can bless your ministry. God, God's blessings don't have to be financial, but many times they are actually financial in nature. But there, I'll tell you this, from my experience, there's not many Christians that God can entrust a lot of money to. Not many at all, because most of the time when people's income goes up, instead of uh, what they do is as their income goes up, they raise their standard of living, when really what you should be doing is raising your standard of giving, not your standard of living. And it um, doesn't mean you can't raise your standard of living somewhat as the Lord directs you. I'm not saying that it's, it's wrong to have a somewhat higher standard of living than, than average. I'm not saying wrong. If God's provided you with the funds and you, you've been buying, especially the wants and desires with cash. But uh, more often than not, as people get more income, they tend to spend it all on themselves because people tend to be selfish. And really, we need to uh, look towards the Lord and ask God what He wants us to do with it. Just like uh, that's, that's what we need to do. Lord, what do you want me to do with what you've given to me? I think of Luke chapter 12, the parable of the rich fool, where God entrusted this man who was a farmer with a large crop one year. He gave him a surplus of income. And rather than looking up in the, and saying, Father, what do you want me to do with this uh, surplus? The, the, the rich fool said this. He said, I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger ones and store everything up for myself. He was selfish. He was greedy. And he was trusting in his wealth rather than trusting in God. It's important that we develop a, a, a biblical perspective on money and material things. And, um, and, and, and that's just so critical. And one last uh, scripture I'd like to share that applies to Steve. I think of uh, 1 Timothy chapter um, 6, uh, verses 9 and 10, where it says, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, Paul said. He didn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil. He said the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. In other words, even Christians can have a problem with the love of money. Even Christians can have a secular perspective on money and material things. And, and that can cause the Christian to wander from the faith. It can, it can impact their, their, their testimony. It can distract them from things of eternal value. And so it's not money that's the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money, that ungodly attitude, such as uh, covetousness, uh, um, greed, selfishness, lack of contentment. Those ungodly attitudes or perspectives that can cause, that, that basically is a sign of the love of money, and that can, um, can cause all kinds of problems. I'd encourage you to uh, uh, go back through these, these 12 sessions, 12 comparisons, secular versus biblical steward, secular person versus biblical steward, and, uh, and just ask God to reveal to you what you need to work on. I, uh, I encourage you to do that. I'll pray. In Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, that all of us will learn to be a, a good biblical steward of the money and material things that you've entrusted to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance.